the Amish. Oh. Done. What Done. a Done. word. <laughs> what a people. What a place of mind. It's it's only two place syllables, but it packs in the universe. I mean. It packs it all in. There's so many things that conjure up when you see or hear about the Amish. Yeah. Am I right? I mean, we all think about them at least like five times a week. Yeah. yeah you meet them and you think, what are you? Where do you come from? <laughs> How did you become this way? Are there more of you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not in I a mean, negative guess... way, in a curious way. Right. Do you see them as much down there as you did up here? No, I don't see them nearly as much in Tennessee. Is it too hot for them that far south? <laughs> no, actually, okay, I'm going to break right into it. This is Rumors and Confabulation. We're talking about the Amish. Mm-hmm. We're going. We're doing a deep probing into the Amish. Uh, this is a multi-part series. Don't know how long it's going to go, but we're going to get there. Yeah. We're going to go full through the full history of the Amish. Who are they? Where did they come from? How'd they get here? Are there more of you? We'll answer all of it. But John, your question. Um, actually, my only like personal experience with the Amish comes first from Casey County, Kentucky. Yep. That's what. <laughs> There's a large amount of them down there. And I went to one of their convenience stores when I was a kid. And Amish convenience store? Yes. Are you talking like the one in Berea or are you talking about something N- different? No, not a, just a place in town that says Amish store. That's a place that just like gets Amish products. Yeah. Okay. This is the place. This is the direct source where they made it on that farm nice. and just put it over in the store. They had a kind of parking lot, which literally was like, Two to three horse and buggies parked there at one time. <laughs> we were the only non-Amish people in the store. Me and my family. And not even, it was like only like three of us. Were there a lot of like Amish co- in there? Yes. So it's like it's like the Edgar Casey store type thing. The old man sitting on a stool and they just hanging out yeah. in the store. <laughs> it's a social, yes. social gathering. Yes. yes. We walked in and we were just like, my mom was just like, Act normal, feel natural. And I was like, how? <laughs> Easier said than done. <laughs> I mean, it was a good life lesson. Like, it's made me a better traveler. I think that moment as a child, I was like, okay, I know to try to just blend in. Didn't work, <laughs> it, but I was going for it. Were they cash only or did they even accept currency? I think they, yeah, it was cash. But um, I remember my mom told me, she looked around and she's like, there's all these weird little knickknacks and things like that. And she's like, you can pick something here that you want to take home. Amish toys. Well, I came away, being the weird kid that I am, with a little pickle grabber. You know those little, like, claws that you can grab pickles with? Uh Uh-huh. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's also a euphemism for Kevin Spacey, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> I just imagine you say you consider that a toy toy store being I, like a, a, a it wasn't a toy store oh, oh. It, it wasn't a toy store I know it was I a just convenience made the leap. store <laughs> I know it was a convenience store <laughs> the KB toys for Amish people I mean honestly they might have had toys and I was just like I don't know what these are but then I ended up with a pickle grabber uh, mm-hmm. didn't 
do anything with it ever in my life. That seems like a useful tool. I mean, I wish I still had it. it I mean, you sometimes, you know, when you are have a jar of pickles and you got a lot of juice in there, you need to get the pickle out. Gotta have a pickle grabber. I've never what had that problem. Say, I've never once had that problem. It's like people that need a shoehorn. I've never in my fucking life. <laughs> it honestly, that is a good place to put it. And I think a lot of the Amish thrive in that realm. Uh huh. Of like handcrafted things you don't really need. Yeah. But they're there. It's like infomercial shit, but more like. Folks. Folky, yeah. But it, it, it's essentially they're making like OxyClean. I mean... Dalton, remind me in 20 years to ask if you still don't need a shoehorn. <laughs> okay, fair fair point. But I, I actually have a pretty interesting story uh, regarding the Amish. And uh, you guys... Uh, I thought he was going to say regarding a shoehorn. No, no. So I was a uh, detective for a while. Stay with mm. me. Stay mm. with me. This was a few years mm. back. This was before I got into the big money world of podcasting. <laughs> and there was a murder in an Amish community, and I was sent yeah. in to investigate. Uh, I fell in love with an Amish woman, despite our cultural oh. differences, and I buried Danny Glover alive in a oh. corn silo, because he was a corrupt cop that was involved in the murder. I came oh. to find out. You came to find out. Yep. And Danny Glover. Yep. So that... Positive experience may affect the way I act in today's episode because I just have so many great feelings toward the Amish. It's the plot to the movie Witness with Harrison Ford. Okay, thank you. But did burying Danny Glover make you happy and make Harrison Ford happy? No, it didn't make him happy. That's just the scene I really remember from the movie. Because that's pretty creative death. In a movie, and the movie's otherwise like pretty dark and serious, but then there's this wacky, like a guy dies in a silo. Seriously, that's a, that's a, that's the way to do green barrels. Now you can get yourself composted in big silos, and they just like put you in the top and tell you to come back in like a couple months. Then you can get like a bag of compost to like spread oh, on your garden. Great. I mean, it's that or go be put out in the body farm and decompose. The body farm? (laughs) Okay, so um, that's a perfect segue, body farms. So the Amish are a... I mean, we're just going to get right into it now, okay? Mm -hmm. Time for laughs are over, so stop laughing. No no more Harrison Ford. The Amish are a religious group of Christians that evolved out of the Anabaptists or radical reformers movements. Anybody else hear Anabaptist and think anti-Baptist? I mean, it sounds. Oh, yeah, you're like a couple letters different. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what an Anabaptist is? Nope. I feel like I remember the term from AP his, AP US history, and that's that's it. Yeah. Well, I'll get. To, I'll like to get more into depth with them in just a second, but. Um, the Amish live in exclusive rural societies with minimal contact with the outside world. As we all know, I don't know. I I I I I'm not sold on that right now. I'll just say going in. I said I'm not, minimal. All right. I said minimal contact, not no contact. All right. They seem to just have, think of the. I know we've all seen them in like grocery stores. Yeah. Somehow they make it to Arby's despite their minimal contact. But you know, go ahead. Are you gonna Are you gonna breach the difference between Mennonite and Amish in this? Oh yes. yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, we gotta. Oh, yeah. We're gonna get into that. No, and I plan on in this series also tackling the Quakers and the Shakers. Cool. At least just a little bit. <laughs> shakers. Well, the Shakers at least get, give us the <laughs> the local Kentucky history part of it. Cause yeah, no, and the Amish, the Amish, dude, uh, Kentucky has uh, around 13,595 Amish. So we gotta be Kentucky. not like Pennsylvania, but we're probably like in the top Ten of states with Amish people, right? Yes, we are. Yeah. Are Kentucky there even more than ten that. states that have Amish people? Um, yeah, there are. Okay, I just yeah. for some reason like pictured them basically only in like Pennsylvania, Ohio, Kentucky, yeah, and, like right there. Well, that's actually something the I didn't really finish on my story about Casey County Amish is that they actually a portion of them in like two thousand in the recent history a portion of them broke off from Casey County and moved down to Central Tennessee. So oh. there's a new settlement that just started just within the last decade that is uh, about an hour and a half east of me, just down there in Central Tennessee, like kind of out in the middle of nowhere, Central Tennessee. Yeah. Do you all honestly kind of down by the caverns, John? Oh, down there, Grundy. Yeah. Nearby, okay. yeah, near that. Yeah. Do you all remember a few years ago, like the most recent thing I can think of, the Amish? The most recent news headline I can think of involving the Amish is there was like a, a group of them that were doing like Trump parades with their like uh, traditional Amish like wagons or whatever. Does that ring a bell at all? Not no. at all. I'm almost no. positive. Okay, I feel like I me. feel like this is like one of the first episodes where we came right off the top with a confabulation mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes. we, we haven't even got into any facts yet. No, it's no. just like yeah, just this straight. is factual. This is yeah. <laughs> Cincinnati.com. Why the Amish love Trump. Okay. But they still don't vote. So Okay, that that's what I was yet. getting ready to ask. I was asking okay. if they even participated in Oh, second thing that comes up. Twenty twenty, a breakout year for Amish voters. Here's what the numbers show. Oh my. That sounds very clickbaity. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. I don't know. Go ahead. I want to see if I can. So yeah, you yeah. Keep looking there. But the Amish communities, there are ninety eight percent of the Amish are in the United States. There are a small two percent of Amish that are not in the United States of America. Can I'm Australia? Um, I think actually Australia is one of them. That's, that's that would be again, my next guess. Here it is. Horse and buggy caravan dubbed Amish Trump Parade goes viral. They're not horsing around when it comes to the 2020. <laughs> oh, man. New York Post is just such garbage. <laughs> Five handsome oh, cabs. Wow. Five handsome cabs decorated with Trump and American flags. I don't know what's so handsome about them. It's just a simple cab to me. <laughs> The caption says the Amish are not playing around today. Oh, shit. Like, that's, is that like threatening or something? The (laughs) Amish aren't here to fuck around. (laughs) Well, what I'm going to tell you right now that the Amish are growing. They are in 31 states. 31 states have an Amish community. Wait, wait, hold. Okay. They're 31. Their numbers are growing? Yes. Their numbers are growing. There has been an exponential growth in the Amish communities throughout the U.S. over the last decade in particular. As of 2021, there is an estimated Amish population in the United States of, I got to get guesses first, uh, the total population okay. of Amish within the United States of America. Dalton. Four, uh, 400,000. I'd say 250,000. Wow. 
355,660. Yeah. Pennsylvania leads the charge with 81,500 Amish members. Ohio, actually a very close second. I was surprised by this. They have 78,280. Oh, my. And that, I... Yeah. I they don't have nearly the Amish reputation as Pennsylvania. No. They have the fat reputation. <laughs> and uh, nobody, nobody likes them. Ohio burn. <laughs> they have the reputation of everybody <laughs> hating them. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> yeah, they do. They have the reputation of being betrayed by LeBron James. <laughs> have you seen the... Sorry, John. Have you seen the... Um, War between the Cleveland Cavaliers and Kyle Kuzma. A little basketball talk. I have not. Cleveland, yeah, Kyle Kuzma. Uh, apparently, Cleveland fans were chanting like, "You only won the ring because of LeBron," you know, something like That's that. A very elaborate. You only won the ring know. because of LeBron. <laughs> it was something. It seems he, very hard to chant. It was something along those lines, <laughs> and then he said um, something in a press conference about it, or something like that. And then now a Cleveland like newspaper or something like their headline reads: Kyle Kuzma loses like a key play or something like that. Oh, and then underneath the headline says only won a ring because of LeBron. Is he is he good now? Uh, he's having a better year. Okay. It's like, it feels like his whole career, everybody's been trying to make him a thing. You know, it's always like, because he came out really good as a rookie. talked about this much. His best year was his rookie year. Sorry. Yeah. We're good. Okay. Never yeah. mind. Sidetracked. This, Anyways, this um, has been our biggest tangent back in the <laughs> <laughs> So, a, um, Pennsylvania and Ohio are top two. Mm-hmm. Number three is Indiana. Then you also have Wisconsin, New York, Michigan, Missouri, and Kentucky in that order. So Wisconsin is the fourth biggest Amish population. I I hope I hope in New York there was once a man walking across the street and he said, I'm walking here and he's just talking to a handsome cab that is slowly approaching. (laughs) It's still like (laughs) many, many feet away. But just, <laughs> you go for an Austin Powers yeah. moment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, most of the Amish uh, stick to east of the Mississippi, um, but mm-hmm. you also do have, I mean, there's Wisconsin, which is close, but not quite. And then you have Missouri, Iowa, Minnesota on the west. So there. they never get too close to the Mormons. No. Yeah, uh, they're that, never that, that makes kind of mm-hmm. sense. The Mormons dominate yeah. out west and all their branches, and then out this ways. Yeah, okay. It seems mm-hmm. like strategic to me. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 that's the upcoming civil war. It's not between <laughs> the Mormons are going to come too far east. Oh, they have to fight their ground. I mean, let's be real. If that happened, the Mormons would just completely annihilate them. Yes, they come with the wrath of Brigham Young. And Mormons have at least assimilate. They they can function in society. Like, well, yeah, but Amish, they have their own role apparently. So new settlements are being established every year with um, twenty settlements in twenty twenty. Oh my! Being founded and at least God. nine already in twenty twenty one, and that was back in June when that was estimated. So. There's probably there plenty more, more since then. Yeah. yeah. So, do they have statistics of um, w- what percentage of these newcomers are like children being born versus new people joining? 
Right, I mean, most of it is just, they don't have birth control. Yeah. Oh, so they're just spreading out from their numbers. This isn't yes. most as of it much is that. new. Okay, I was going to say, that would be really hard to keep starting new with new people, but I guess if basically somebody comes of age and they're like, alright, we're going to take a few families this way, and th- uh, that makes more sense. And I will, I guess, kind of come off the you know top of this series and just kind of go ahead and establish there's exponential growth, and most of most of it is from within, and that comes with some of the issues that you might think that does. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Amish have been found to have some uh, genetical diseases, genetic diseases, that <laughs> you just don't see anywhere else Blue because people, of how instance. homogenous they are. Yeah. Gene pool isn't very diverse. Not diverse. You're talking British royalty type of level. Blue bloods. Yeah. And the silver people of Kentucky. You know, incest is a real rich or poor thing. Only at the most rural of shitholes and only in the most palatial of (laughs) royal estates would you have the desire to commit incest. I mean, is that wrong? (laughs) I mean, I think it's... A little unfair to talk about all the Amish like that, because that's not the case. Yeah, I think it's a bit simplified, not wrong, if that makes sense. Because for the Amish, it's mostly like, okay, you, like, okay, say you're a father of three, Mm -hmm. and you have three adults. You are married to the one person who's, like, your fourth cousin. Then your son is married to someone who's their fifth cousin. Then your daughter marries someone who's their fourth cousin once removed you know it just it it's that kind of thing it's not like you're marrying your sister yeah right or you know it's not that it's not full on it's like it's those weird but you you just keep kind of rotating almost yeah that's a weird yeah yeah it's just an odd yeah it's just not a good situation yeah so yeah i mean the incest level isn't that high it's not that hot. It's just a bad gene pool mm-hmm. at this but, point. No, it's, 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 it's a numbers game at that point. It doesn't have to be super bad incest, but if you're not super branching bad. out far enough and getting new right. material... Because you're not bringing... Over time, it's going to be a problem. Right. You're barely bringing in new people like right. that are really actually... It's just really what's happened is that they are retaining their members at mm. an exceptional rate, more so than ever before. That's the part that I find surprising. Yeah. They're, they don't have... Like those, like what you usually see with the Amish is like that um, breaking Amish show mm-hmm. in, uh, from it's a TLC show where it's just about like people these this and, you know it's one of those quote unquote reality shows and it's like these teen like young adults that are like deciding whether they're gonna stay <laughs> or go and they're like gone to the big city <laughs> yeah like, experience the world it's that thing also it's strangely it was made in 2012 so was Amish Mafia. Same year. Wow, that is weird. Yeah. It's also like, right, it's like two years before Turtle Man and all that. Do they get like... Uh, Coincided. So we just kind so of like build our deck of just doing TLC shows. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what we cover now is just... <laughs> do, they, do they have like um, the Amish girls first time clubbing... They have, like, stuff like that. Yeah, yes, yes. For first time getting yes. an STD. Probably. Yeah. That probably is, is a plot point somewhere. That would be pretty good. Because those shows usually get sadder, too. Well, yeah. Breaking Amish does. Ma- Amish Mafia is just full-out stupid. And yeah. they even admitted to, quote-unquote, reenacting scenes. Yeah. How does that work? You're reenacting But they never it? say which scenes they're reenacting. 
But as so for the you people, can just assume the whole thing is. As for the people joining, yeah. like you would have to have. I mean, this is going to sound mean, but you would have to have a lot of yeah. problems to want to do that, right? I mean, that's got to be very well, rare. Well, <sighs> you got people joining cults. The um, yeah, I they have I, problems too. That's yeah, yeah, but that seems like a little bit. Lit, well. Maybe it's on the same lines. I don't see that as sad as joining some of the cults, but yeah, I don't see the Amish being nearly as sad as a cult. They're not as predatory as a cult. They're not predatory really at all. Um, if you ask them not a lot about a lot of questions, they, are they? No. If you ask them a lot of questions, they just kind of don't really want to talk. Like maybe you'll find some friendly ones, but it's much more like if you want to approach the Amish and actually get to know them, you need to just come in and just be nice. And just like be like helpful, you know, like offer to help in some way, mm-hmm. and then they'll like let you in and be. But they don't so like you answer already be questions. kind of ancillary to their community to get into stuff. Yeah. It's not just you don't. They don't. They they just don't want to really talk about it with people because they just like so they're in such a preconceived like notion that you just don't you don't understand. You won't understand. You're gonna mock us, mm-hmm. and I just so I just don't want to talk about it. And they basically just shut what we've been off. talking about for the past twenty minutes. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, they just, they don't, I mean, for good reason, and I don't want to completely just malign the Amish. I'm not anti-Amish, Dalton, I know you're anti-Amish. Yeah, I'll do that part. I know you're anti-Amish. I don't want to just malign them, this whole thing, because I do think, you know me, I'm I'm not like a big proponent of a lot of modern technologies. I don't, I think, they're peaceful people, and I don't have any issues with them, for the most part. I do have some issues, but I'll, I'll get to that in due time. But I mean, I have issues, <laughs> but I don't think they're You're bad people. You're trying to bring out more information by doing this episode. Yes, this yes. Episode. I don't think they're bad people, and I don't think they um, their way of life is really that bad. Like, if that's the way you want to live, I don't see an issue with that. Sure. From So far from what I'm seeing. They just need some stuff they might need to refine, basically, is what we're... They definitely do. But they won't that, do that. that. Well, let's before we jump into this, let's start <laughs> right. learning more. Yeah, because I, I, I am, I am seriously curious about this, and it's like we keep starting to learn, and we just keep sidetracking ourselves by bashing. <laughs> well, the reality of what the Amish are is very complicated, and there are around actually forty different affiliations and communities of just Old Order Amish. And you're talking when you're talking Old Order Amish, you're going to talk about groups such as the Lancaster, Pennsylvania group. Which is the most, uh, I think it's the probably the largest, it's definitely the most well-known community of Amish. Okay. Lancaster County. Now that you say that, Lancaster, Pennsylvania is what the Trump article mentioned. Really? Yeah. You're being honest? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it said Lancaster group. Well, that, they're the ones I think uh, Amish Mafia is supposed to be oh, said. Oh, God. So they're the ridiculous ones. Uh, you also had Old Order Amish, uh, Swartz and Truba. I'm familiar with that one as well. Yoga too. Yep, know that one. Swiss mm-hmm. and Holmes Old Order. And these are just to name a few. Like I said, there's uh, over forty mm-hmm. just different affiliations. Um, this doesn't even get to into the different communities of the New Order Amish or Mennonites. These are all three different things. And the, so Mennonites too. It really the Amish uh, fit under the Mennonite umbrella. Oh. So the Mennonite is actually more is the overarching thing, but uh, Amish kind of broke off from Mennonite, and now in many ways they have overtaken 
the narrative of that yeah, tree. Yeah, I would have thought it was the opposite. Yeah, because well, Mennonites I know that now. Mennonites believe a lot of the they're the of the original tenets of what um, from this radical. Well, <laughs> I'll I'll get into it. I'll get into it in due time. Okay, so here we really go. The history of the Amish is a long one, and despite being an American staple, I mean, it is, like I said, 98% in the United States of America. I was amazed that wasn't 100%. Mm, yeah. It is an American classic, the <laughs> Amish. The Amish church began around Switzerland, Netherlands, France, uh, you know, just northern Europe. Well, it's like direct center of Europe, ain't it? Like right there, yeah. like yeah, yeah right so. there, center to north Europe. Okay, not quite making it like Scandinavian north. No, but not quite making it like eastern toward like. Well, actually, a bit of Poland. Actually, there was a bit of Poland. So basically, all around the Alps, right there, kind of like yes. Bavaria. And, yes, yeah, okay. yes, that is the area that we're talking about, and we're talking about 1693, the leadership of Jakob. Amen, a Swiss-born tailor who became an Anabaptist leader despite his lack of formal education. And now, before we get into Amen too much, I have to set the stage because I have to explain like what an Anabaptist is. So, Anabaptist is a Protestant branch off after the you know Martin Luther and mm-hmm. you know all that hubbub, you know, where the Catholic Church got torn up a little bit. The Anabaptists believe in a very literal interpretation to the teachings of Jesus, specifically just Jesus. That's all they really focus on. So they are pacifists, completely. Um, they believe that they live first in the kingdom of God, second in the kingdom of man. So they think if you, if a government is telling you to do something that does not fit into the kingdom of God, they're saying, I can't help you. I follow God first. That's why many of them and get in prison. We're talking... Uh, and the early the, times. We're talking, you said 1663. So 1693. This is like, okay, 1693. So this is, the Holy Roman Empire is still a thing at this point. So they're like all caught up in that. Because yeah. that's basically right in the middle of that area. Yeah. So And this is just, the Anabaptists now, That this was from even before, this is in like the 1500s. The Amish okay. began in 1693. But the Anabaptist movement is goes back even further. That's what Mennonites and Amish are all part branches of the Anabaptists. Hmm. Gotcha. So the true church was an alternative community, one in which the government would mostly stay out of their way. So they did not swear oaths they you know that would betray anything of God. So if they thought, you know, if they said like pledge your allegiance to this flag, they'd say, No, can't do that. You know. I mean we should they, do they that won't anyway. Fight. That's the main thing. They won't fight. Can I just propose that? Can we get a can we get rid of the Pledge of Allegiance? It's creepy. <laughs> now that we're older, it's creepy. It's weird. Mm. No, but no, alternative community definitely has come to mean different yep. things. And well, <laughs> well, I guess I guess it's generally the same thing, but this is a completely a very different, different of side of the coin. Mm-hmm. Boys Town yeah. in Chicago is is a real alternative community. There's one. There's an alternative community in uh, Tennessee somewhere too. Just, Anyways, just one. <laughs> so their beliefs put them at odds with mainstream religions yeah. like Catholics and Protestants. Punk rock Amish. <laughs> <laughs> and they just made all the civic leaders mad too. They the civic leaders uh, used edicts, imprisonments, legal threatenings. Um, 
all these things to coerce these new radicals into like submitting to their will, which is to just calm down. They just weren't having it. They weren't paying their taxes, and they weren't fighting when they drafted an army. <laughs> I mean, that's the main two things. So the two big things that would piss off yeah. the Yes, especially in the 1500s. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so these tactics, um, well, I guess I should mention they executed Anabaptists as well. Not just imprisoned them. They actually executed many. Well, it was a big thing they did. Any Anybody they called a heretic, and that's like... Yeah. yeah, and this was all to, like, it was just a complete show of force and to just say, stop, you're doing something that is not part of... It's a country thing. It's a, you know, yeah. you're not fitting nation, into nation. our yeah, laws. Not, it's a very controlling, tyrannical... Yeah. But what this did, though, is with the Anabaptists, it made them actually just hardline, more hardlined because all of this persecution against them made them think that, wow, this world is a really cruel, immoral, and dark place, and we have to stay like we are because we have to clean it up. This We have to be beacons of light in this dark world, is how they saw it. So they became even more dug in, even though they were being picked off. But in the years 1527, 1527 to 1614, Around 2,500 Anabaptists were killed. So, hold just, I, just I, for being I have a question really quick. So, is their purpose, is their stated purpose still to be a beacon of light? Like, is that still what they claim I mean, their yeah. goal is? I mean, so the Anabaptists, it's so strange. I, I mean, I, it's, it, you know, it's mostly about being a pacifist and then also not, you know, not participating. Um, they're living like the uh, St. Francis, mm-hmm. basically. You know, remember St. Yes. Francis? Remember Dalton, that uh, strange hippie movie yes. about St. Francis? Yes, I do. Brother, son, sister, moon. <laughs> yes. They're trying to live like that, except without the robes and the friar, you know, and, mon- you know, and monk stuff. And they're farming and things like that. So they're they're still contributing to the community in, in that they're farming. And they're still participating in that way. They're still selling their goods. Yeah. But the Anabaptists, though... What, one of the biggest things that they're getting persecuted for is the fact that they, and the, what called, makes them called Anabaptists is because they believe that there is no baptism at birth. You have to, that is a commitment that you have to make when you are a young Later adult. On. So you can either decide whether you are going to be baptized and take on these oaths. And when you take on these oaths, that is your life. You cannot stray from them. That's your life. You can't stray at all from those oaths. Or... Turn it aside and live a different life. I'm in favor of that. That's reasonable. Yeah, it is. Yeah, let them have. And you can postpone circumcision until that time as well. I think that would be the best. That sounds cruel. Cruel. Oh god! (laughs) It it took me a second to catch that. I was like, wait, 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 no, cruel, but doing it, getting a circumcision at 17, no thinking, infant. Yeah, when they don't feel it. How do you know they don't feel it? Or just don't do that at all. It's genital mutilation just across the board. If you want to get it taken off later on your own thing, a 17 year old can tell you he wants to do it. A baby can't. I don't want to have this conversation on Mike. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Is it personal to you or something? No, I I just know we're going to get upset about it. And we've already (laughs) moved back and forth on 100 things so far. (laughs) So the Anabaptist. Now it made me forget the question I was getting ready to ask before we delved into that. What, circumcision? That's actually a good question that I don't know the answer to. Sure, I will. Okay. Okay, good. Uh, Shit. I was going to ask... I hope I don't get photos. I was going to ask, you said they got massacred. 
does Pope pogroms only count towards Jewish people, or is that any kind of um religious well, pogrom, type thing? I don't think it's specific a, to Jews. I thought pogroms were just. I that's think what it I thought is. they were just yes. Jews. But this okay, was so like a state. I mean, this was this was the military that were rounding up people. Twenty five hundred within a. I mean, that is like a century almost span, like eighty years. Yeah, I mean, it's a type of genocide. I, that's yeah. my main thing was I didn't know if pogrom was just toward. Yeah. And there's not a large amount of them to begin with. We're not talking about, you know, these are the radicals of the radicals because this is the time frame we're living in. You know, you have to visualize how the grip that Catholicism had in Europe Mm -hmm. and it's slowly inch by inch going away. And so it's taking every single radical movement that really is just, it's just talking about baptism being a personal decision, which it was for people in the Bible. So I don't know why that's a big deal. Well, it's because the Catholic Church had to have control over yes. as much as they could control. Yes. That was another thing that, but that was another thing they needed to. It that 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 whole thing because that's I mean that's probably part of the reason the Anabaptists wanted to split off because the Catholic Church was the state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, I mean it was the fucking Holy Roman yes. Empire. So, yes. so if you were to like kill the three people that actually identify as Pastafarians, is that a pogrom? <laughs> No, I think so, we just clarified. It doesn't that have to be Jewish. Jewish. Oh, it doesn't have no. to. Oh, it doesn't. So you just you just did look it up, or were you looking at the circumcision? I said that thing? earlier. I'm pretty sure it doesn't do have Amish, to be Jewish. Amish. Do Amish get circumcised? That was the question we all uh, wanted to really. Yeah, know. I looked. Not I was programs. looking that up. Yeah, that does not have to be Jewish, but it often <laughs> is. All right, and as for the. Circum- I was going to say, based on history, they were the ones it was done most to, besides the Armenians, basically. Yeah. Circumcision, it depends on which group. Which group of Amish? That 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 checks. Makes yeah. sense. That checks out. Because my, my biggest thing is, do they have the medical technology to do it safely? Midwife type of That's situation? That's who it would be. We're talking like 1800s level? That- yeah, that that just among really, the that, real hardliners. We're talking about their other ones aren't as hardlined. Do, do they have you know? um, okay, okay. the um, uh, what's the I think it's called a moyle. It's if a moyle. Yeah, if, if you do that's the circumcision, yeah. and I think it's only Hasidic Jews that uh, moyle. Yeah, the moyle. It's a brisk. Cleans up the blood with his mouth. That is no. No denomination or religion believes that. Hey, it, that's a thing. Well, I mean, no, it's some, not. some, thing, some cultures eat the placenta or whatever, and didn't Charles Manson bite off the umbilical cord of the one kid that they had? I've never well, heard that. Is that really a lesson we all need to take on with us? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, let's get... Meti- met- met- so, met- hold on, hold on. I wanted some closure on this. Metsitsa bepay is when the moil uses his mouth to suck blood away from the baby's circumcision wound as part of the circumcision ritual. Where did you read this? Um, that is on haretz.com, which is some Jewish news website by the look of it. That is so disturbing. That's why I brought it up. Isaac, your face during this whole thing goes from like... That's why I I said it. Well, the Amish don't do that. (laughs) Oh, There's something the Amish have for them. They don't do that. Yeah, that is just... (laughs) Most moils in today's world do it by hand with a suction device, but some traditionalists follow the old practice of doing it by mouth. (laughs) 
Oh, that wording is so creepy. Oh my hey, god! What can I say? I'm an this old school kind of guy. <sighs> Let's move on a so, little bit. The Anabaptists. There was 2,500 Anabaptists that were killed purely for their beliefs in this time frame, 1527 to 1614. These Anabaptists are revered still today as the first ma- martyrs for the cause. One Amish woman from modern times stated that. I don't know how to do the accent. Some Amish woman from what? Try. It'll just come across as... Uh, she, from modern times oh, okay. here. She said that... We hear about... I don't know. <laughs> we hear about the martyrs. Oh, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. You're just going to go into here we go. Swedish Chef and it's not going to work. <laughs> we hear about the martyrs every day. No, sorry. That's just that's full on Swedish Chef. <laughs> understandable. Okay. Here we go. We hear about the martyrs almost every time we have church. And many of these stories are read from a hefty book titled Martyr's Mirror. This book recounts the crucifixion of Jesus. Uh, It goes through the early Christian Roman persecution and then features hundreds of pages toward the back end on the martyrs of the early Anabaptist movement. So they're tying all of those together. They're saying like, see, it happened to the first Christians and those were the pure Christians. Those were the good, you know. The Anabaptist movement, um, I think what held it back was that they never had that singular leader. Yeah. In the same way that, like, Lutherans had Martin Luther or, or like, Calvinists had John Calvin, you know? Mm-hmm. They just didn't have that person. But by 1545, around 20 years after the movement was born, a new nickname for the people were Mennonites. And this is due to the writing of Minno Simons. I love, I love him. His first name is Minno. M E N N O. Yes, M E N N O. Minno Simons. So Simons was an Anabaptist preacher from the Netherlands who preached primarily about rejecting violence and a separation from the world. He is very critical of violence due to a particular episode that happened in Germany. In 1534, a group of radical Anabaptists took over the city of Munster. I love this story. It's a great story. Dan Dan Carlin did an entire episode on it. Dude, it was fucking great. I was going to bring that up earlier. It's such a good story, but I'm not going to be able to get into that. It would take away. It it is like, it's a Dan Carlin hardcore history, you know, complete dissection of its own podcast. It is such an interesting story. Fantastic story, and it's about the Anabaptists. So the city was besieged um, after they took over the city. The Anabaptists took over, and the city was besieged. It eventually fell and then went back into German control, and any ending any chance the Anabaptist movement ever had at becoming a major player in the religious world of Europe, because now everybody equated the entire movement with these particular radicals. Who were really right. That was basically like the Jonestown of back then. Yeah. Almost. Not, but like they were actually doing something. I mean, they were just doing a Christian socialist thing and they got a bit weird, but still yeah. like, it's like, yeah, that was kind of hard. Yes. They, um, they said we are going to take over no matter what we need to do, which isn't very Jesus like of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Minnow Simons agreed and he did not like this bunch. So, this movement's groundwork was laid by a man named Melchior Hoffman. The only reason I bring him up is because his name is Melchior. Yep. 
he influenced Minno Simons, and this represents one of the many differences and splits that the Anabaptists would experience, and apparently they still do. So the Mennonites broke off because they thought the Anabaptists were being too, they, you know, a little, they were a little violent. I mean, they took over a city. Yeah. The other Mennonites, or the they other Anabaptists They kind of broke their pacifists. Yeah, really. So yeah, the Mennonites were like, we are complete pacifists, we're going to go over here, and they shot off away from them. So, with the rise of the Mennonites, there began to be two groups emerging. You had the Dutch Mennonites, who were pushed into communities all around Northern Europe, specifically, then they settled in the Vistula River region in Poland. So you're talking around Warsaw, Poland. Mm-hmm. Well, that, actually, they made it pretty far over there. Then you, though, had the Swiss and German Anabaptists. Those were the ones who were taking over Munster and doing all that. Ah. So Switzerland was particularly harsh towards the Anabaptists. Um, I'm not sure why Switzerland in particular. But they uh, had stopped executing in 1614, but they continued to imprison and exile them. And actually, they sold some Anabaptists as slaves. Oh, to, no. Into, like, North America. Like, yeah. Swiss has this reputation of neutrality, mostly nowadays, but yeah. the Anabaptists, this is them. you go there now, they still talk about them. Fucking Anabaptists around Like, here. I don't get into into any kind of disagreements, but if it's an Anabaptist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they start crunching their fists, <clears throat> snarling, frothing at the mouth. Yep. <laughs> They hated them. I don't understand why they hated them so much. They were banned from being buried in community cemeteries. Jeez. And the Swiss government took away all of their children's rights to inherit any property. And burned Switzerland so against the Anabaptists decided to flush out all the pacifists in their area by requiring all men, requiring all men to carry a visible weapon with them. <laughs> what kind of weird ass right wing fantasy? Isn't that still kind of isn't that, isn't that still kind of a thing today? Because don't they have mandatory military service? Because I know most of them, like even after they are discharged, they still carry G thirty six. I think so. Like, like it's government-issue rifles that you keep. I don't think they have to carry them around anymore, but I am I might be wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure they keep it at the house, because it's basically like everyone's a Minuteman across the country. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm not sure if it's... I'm probably talking out no, my ass, sure. but I, I have that thought in my head for some reason. Yeah, I... I, I I feel like there's some truth in this. That's also that is also yeah. currently a law in Maricopa County, Arizona. <laughs> oh, he's got the hits. <laughs> I don't know. They probably pulled repealed that once Jaro Pyro left, but he's, he's still there in spirit. Haunts <laughs> them. Oh, I thought he moved in tomorrow long ago. <laughs> I I don't know if you're kidding, but I would not be surprised if that happened. <laughs> <laughs> so. Despite all of the hatred from the government directed straight at the Mennonites and the Anabaptists, people quietly admired them uh, in the communities. This is going to be a theme. The quiet admiration. There was a lot of support. They helped them quite a bit. Friendly neighbors. Sometimes they would hide them if the authorities come looking around saying, like, is there a pacifist in these parts? Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, no, look away. You know, it happens sometimes. <laughs> So, now let's go back to Jakob Amon. Where does he fit into all this? 
So he likely joined the Anabaptist movement uh, well in, in, into his adulthood in, sometime in uh, 1679. Uh, he would have already at this time been married to a woman named Verena Studler, and they had had a daughter at this point. So soon after becoming Anabaptist, Amon moved his family into France to a more like-minded community, but what he found there disturbed him for some reason. So the French Anabaptists were not as hardline as he was, and they seemed to him all talk, and they showed way too much loyalty to France and favored the French nobility way too much. So Amon and his supporters called publicly for a sharp distinction between him and his people that came with him into France and all the other Christians in the area. He said, I'm throwing down the gauntlet. His most controversial take was his insistence on having clear social implications when someone commits a sin. He wanted everyone to know that the person committed a sin. This included shunning by not speaking or eating with the individual. The scarlet letter approach. So now we're going into cult territory. Yes, definitely scarlet letter approach. This shunning would be known as meidung. (laughs) It was supposed to be seen as a lesson and not a punishment. Of course Easy not. Easy sell, right? It, it just fits every requirement for what a punishment is, but it's a lesson. It's not a punishment. <laughs> right. No. So, Jacob Amon once wrote. I don't know how Jacob Amon would sound. Jacob Amon. Jacob Amon, if a miser does not turn from his fornication and a drunkard from his drunkenness, all other immoralities... They are thereby separated from the church kingdom of God, and if he does not improve himself through a pious, penitent life, such a person is no Christian and will not inherit the kingdom of God. What were his two examples? Drunkenness, uh, drunkenness and what? fornication. Okay. All right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Two biggies. Yeah, I get so, why he would take issue with that. Almond also opposed clothing that was seen as proud. He opposed shaving one's beard, but he also opposed having long hair for men. Yeah. Strange, like, to me, I found it very strange. Like, he wanted, he thought it was not manly, literally, Mm -hmm. to have long hair for a man. And then, though, he also said, don't you dare shave that beard. Almost like he's letting the culture around him influence how he sees men's hair. Amen. Maybe you shouldn't be so uh, into, you know. Maybe you should. What, what's what's the uh, living in God's world or what was the? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's yeah, clearly not. God. He's looking at other guys' crew cuts. <laughs> well, Amen. Uh, unlike Amish of today, he did sport a mustache. Wow. Yeah, you don't see that. No, that's a thing. We'll get there eventually. Not in this episode, but we'll get to that level of their beliefs in a future episode. Yeah. Um, I believe the no, I believe the no mustache thing is a thing you do once you get married. I think or so. Once you think that's what it is. I, yeah, that sounds right. So Amon and his followers soon traveled back to Switzerland to teach his new interpretation that the one that he had developed, where he really had a, this strange, like, all of a sudden, I'm here. When he got to France, yeah. it was just like he took over this group that he came with because he's just another guy that came there. And then all of a sudden he's the leader and he comes back to Switzerland, like, you know, puffing up his chest, you know, 
And he, because he looked around the Swiss going, you guys got too cozy for this world. He's, he's peacocking. Got too cozy for the world over here. I don't like it. Yeah. So things didn't go well. And Amon was, um, he was very aggressive, very demanding. And he did not get along with the new Swiss leader, whose name is Hans Reist. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Is Reist or Reist? Reist? I don't know. <laughs> R-E-I-S-T. Sure. Reist? Reist? Reist, Reist or yeah. Reist? I mean, it's a, yeah. So Reist once sent word back to Amon, um, because Amon was always like, let's speak, since they were, you know, the two leaders now. Um, he sent word back to Amon saying that he's just too busy with his farm work. And he didn't want to listen to any of his issues. He doesn't want to talk to him. And Amon, apparently, this is a quote here, almost became enraged and immediately placed Hans Riest along with six other ministers under the ban as a heretic. Jeez. Followers on both sides of this were horrified by this turn of events and they pleaded for some sort of union because the people involved all liked each other. It was the leaders that just started squabbling such a strange amount and this created another divide which split off even more people so this entire story so far has just been one it's like a it's a small group that's been cut into an even smaller group and into an even smaller group and into an even smaller group and eventually you get the amish (laughs) somewhere in there a lot of a lot of purity testing going on here yeah so this break became very clear and soon enough there was a clear distinct group of Amen-ish people. Uh-huh. The most heated issue was the spiritual status of a sympathetic neighbor. These people, the Swiss Anabaptists in particular, who suffered so much harassment from the government, depended on sympathetic neighbors to help them out. And, you know, didn't want to shun them, didn't want to condemn them. They depend on these people. But what Amen is saying is that you need to get rid of these people. They are heretics. Hmm. Because they're not an Anabaptist. Right. So, Amon's faction went back to France, along with some French, some, sorry, some Swiss that he had collected, and now even had some German supporters. They all began a new community where they farmed the land, became heavily involved in timber and sawmill businesses. Strangely, same things they do today. Um, they found their leader in Jakob Amon, finally. There was a individual that was like, here he is, rising above the occasion. Uh, he would meet with civil authorities. He really got into a groove here where he actually did some good. Because he would meet with like civil authorities. He'd be a representative for his people. He witnessed legal documents for his people when he was like finally had to concede a point. So he was like had some flexibility when dealing with the government. and But also the French government was much more friendly. Mm-hmm. They just didn't hate them. They were like, okay, you're kind of weird. That is but, okay. <laughs> smart of him to try to be somewhat diplomatic, though. I mean. Yeah. What time frame are we looking at? Uh, we're talking about 1690s. Okay, okay. Yeah. And, I mean, it's strange. The, um, the legal authority around this region really just let him kind of do. He made, he did make Amon pay a special a one, a one-time tax, which basically covered, basically covered all of their taxes for like a tax season. All right. So like they ended up paying, le- he ended up paying less than the average household, but they still did pay a tax, yeah. which Amon, I guess, thought was appropriate because they were still doing business with people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they were still 
farming and then selling to other people. They're still dealing with the outside world. Ah, okay. So, Amun even won exemption for his people from participating in the militia. So, I mean, he actually got avoided that big, one of those huge issues. He actually was able to skirt. Yeah, well, I'll I'll pay your taxes, but I will, I draw the line at military service. I guess life's all about compromise. He's like, I'll pay a little bit of tax if we don't have to enlist or whatever, get conscripted. That's still the case now, right? I mean, Amish would always be conscientious objectors if they got drafted, but they do pay some taxes, contrary to to popular belief. Have to, whether you want to or not, because you got to. If you're buying certain right. things or selling certain yeah. things, like you can't fully dodge yeah. everything. Now, one thing though that Amon was not very like tactful on is that he would start public arguments with the local Catholic priest. Nice. <laughs> His followers were always like, "Yeah," right in there, and um, I guess most people agreed, but continued still just go to church um, <laughs> because the people left them alone. I mean, really, everybody just left them alone. That is until 1712, when the French king Louis XIV ordered the expulsion of Anabaptists from all crown lands. The local lord in the area, strangely, I don't know what he loved about Jacob Amon, but he actually protested King Louis XIV's decision on behalf of Amon, specifically just for his group. And this came to no avail. The Amish Mennonites, as they were at this time being called, were treated to a remote, or two just remote areas. They really splintered, because they were just suddenly removed, forcibly removed. So, they broke off into pretty just remote regions. Uh, A lot of them settled in Bavaria. So, surprisingly, after 1712, no one really knows what ever happened to Jakob Amman ever again. Huh. Well, <laughs> it's very strange. He just disappears. The uh, he's uh, seems to be only mentioned once afterward, and that was in 1730 when his daughter mentioned in a letter about him being dead. Oh, and something about so, moving back to Switzerland. So he's not, he's not, he's not there, uh, Joseph Smith or whatever. No. Like he's just he saw his star rise and fall in his okay. lifetime, and he just disappeared into relative obscurity, and he died. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah. He leaves a very interesting legacy behind him because the Amish, you know, are called the Amish after him. But mo- most modern Amish know very little of his life and have never read his teachings. That's interesting. Huh. The Amish that have read his teachings are almost a little embarrassed by his combative style and tone. And they don't agree with how uncompromising he is towards outsiders. Wow. So the modern Amish do still follow along most of his teachings. Like, he laid the blueprint, the foundation of what became the Amish, but they are definitely different than him. And the Amish, I mean, they're they're the appropriate heirs, you know, to this. But they're still different. Mm-hmm. And they're not as combative. Not nearly. And the Amish in the late 1600s and early 1700s had a uh, strict dress code. They were being plainly dressed, kind of hinted on this earlier. But this is just a weird little fact. Um, Mennonites had adapted to just having pockets and buttons like on your jackets because, you know, it's practical. The Amish continued to close their coats with hook and eye fasteners. A folk saying arose from the time, which was, 
Those with hooks and eyes, the Lord will save. Those with buttons and pockets, the devil will snatch. And apparently, the whole thing was actually just completely sarcastic and was used to make fun of the Amish obsession with little minor details. I I can't tell you how many times I heard that growing up. (laughs) You know, those with hooks and eyes. Mm -hmm. You always watch out for a hooks and eyes kid. (laughs) So, the Amish never had um, a strong community in Europe after 1712. And... By the 1730s, the thought of going to British North America, where the idea of a religious haven had firmly taken hold, and it became simply too much to ignore. And in the decades leading up to the American Revolution, Pennsylvania soon found newcomers, Mennonites, radical pietists, and of course the Amish flocked to the area that William Penn had made a safe place for the Quakers. The initial wave saw around 500 Amish. Um, this had subsequent waves, which just got larger and larger. And from 1850, 1815 to 1860, around 3,000 Amish immigrants found their way to North America. And it is with the Amish setting their roots, becoming the religious United States staple that it is. That is where we will pick up on the Amish part two all right i love how bouncy we were at the beginning and then we like sat here and learned <laughs> now this this was a good one now i'm excited to keep yeah, going Amish, <laughs> um i it's going to be interesting how this one shakes out i have a feeling that's not the last we're going to be seeing of mr yakabom and <laughs> i know he died but, uh... <laughs> isaac didn't tell us everything <laughs> he snuck aboard a ship to come to the new world <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more along the lines of like the Star Wars figure in the clouds looking oh, at the modern man. Amish. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah, so it's um first part's been fun. Um yeah, again, I uh, don't know how long we're going to be going on this ride exactly, but um happy to be here. This has been a co- you know, topic we've been wanting to cover for a long time. Yeah, that's true. So, it's pretty much going to be our the biggest thing we've done since Edgar came. For Casey, sure, so. for sure. Yeah, I still want to find a few things, and I want to do a couple things a little different. Um, I want to get some more first-hand experience with them. I don't. Before this is over. <laughs> Be careful. That's a that's a goal. That's a very weird goal. Is that why? Is that why you're coming back up north for Thanksgiving so you could go get some hands-on experience? No, I'm going to be with family. <laughs> Uh, excuse me, <laughs> miss. I have a podcast. Um, no, what if, I mean, I just want to just walk up and be like, what do you believe in? Yeah. I bet you haven't read any of Yaakov work, poser. I don't think they're going to be like the Mormons you ran into on the street. They're not going to look at me and say, so do you know what the book, The Martyrs, the Mirrors? Uh, hey, hey, buddy. Anabaptist martyrs. Hey, buddy, I got Swiss heritage. You know what that means, motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that does it. Woo! Uh, check us out anytime, know, anyplace, anywhere. On, you know? One more thing. Do we know the singular for an Amish person? An aim. An amen. Well, is there a word, no, really? I don't, I don't know. Uh, I just think it's just I'm Amish. Probably. Yeah. That's not satisfactory. We'll have to come no. up with another one I'll, in future. We'll episodes. we'll figure it out. An almond sounds good though. Hey, almond. It's an almond. almond. It's too close to almond. 
I didn't want to call Sonic. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for <laughs> listening. Yeah, Love you, everybody. Right. Woo, woo. Goodbye. <laughs>